Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Well, I I didn't plan it this way, but Psalm 122 actually has a lot to do with the opening day of the NFL. Where the Bears are going to win today over the 49ers. The alarm is ringing by your bed. It's 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Do you press the snooze bar? Or do you get up to go to church? Or do you start watching Fox NFL Sunday? For many people, getting up to go to church is a habit. But for others, it's an option when there is nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. Or you need to recover from the Saturday night before. Probably if your parents went to church every Sunday, as mine did, you might, be remember, you might remember being dragged to church, to Sunday school, at an early age, early in the morning. I really wasn't dragged to church. I liked church from early on. But perhaps you don't go to the gym on Sunday thinking at least at church you get some aerobic activity, you know, the stand up, sit down, turn to the right, walk forward. Some churches have um, kneeling benches as well. But for the traditional longtime Christians, church is simply what you do on Sunday morning. It's where you go. Maybe for generations your family has gone to church every Sunday. It's a tradition that we show our faithfulness in being there, perhaps showing our faithfulness to others that are there. For instance, when you see others in church, you think, um, hey, they are committed to worship. And when they are not there, you may think, hmm, they lack commitment to worship. Our children grew up knowing that on Sunday morning, uh, we went to church even if you couldn't find your shoes. This happened to my seven-year-old son when we lived in Venezuela. Everyone is in the car at 10 a.m. AIS, ass in seat, to leave for church. He wasn't ready, so he went to church with no shoes. Last time that happened, he was ready. He found his shoes after that. Well, then also there's the question of membership in a congregation. Membership. The side of uh, attending the church. If you are a member of the club called church and are paying your dues, you're going to be there. Someone is keeping tabs on you, perhaps, you think. That may be our attitude. I remember when I first arrived at Grace, um, people from at certain times would, uh, parishioners brought me bulletins from other congregations that they had visited while they were away from Grace. And I wondered why. 
to, to prove that they went to church? Or was I supposed to keep track of that somehow? Um, in, you know, in the book of life? Um, does God keep attendance when we go to church? Is going to church a chore that we must prove to which you must comply? Is it a work that you do for the Lord to show him your faithfulness? So I guess the question really is, do you have to attend church every Sunday? As an obligation, worshiping under pressure, under duress of conscience, guiltiness? Or do you willingly come with joy to worship and sing and confess your faith before the Lord? Can you cry out with the psalmist, in other words, in Psalm 122, I was glad when mom or dad or grandma or grandpa said to me, let us go to the Lord's temple. I was glad, the first words out of his mouth. So this morning I want to unpack some reasons that we too can come to the Lord's house joyfully and not hit the snooze bar and maybe even tape the game instead of watching it live. To find out these reasons, we have to look at some of the context around our psalmist. What did the ancient Israelites expect? And why did they go joyfully to the temple of the Lord? Well, Psalm 122 is just one of a number of psalms that express this same emotional desire to worship with gladness. These psalms form a group, and they're called the Psalms of Zion. The Mount in Jerusalem where the house of the Lord, the temple, was located. The psalmists are always praising Mount Zion, the temple, as the place of the Lord's abode, and thus the place to which they long to go. Here are just a few of these psalms. In Psalm 26, it says, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. In Psalm 27, one thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 48, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider her well, her ramparts, go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. Then there's Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The psalmist's joy for going to church on Sunday is obvious. There's no other place that he or she would rather be. That's all right. That's right. I said they. Because this song was sung not just by one person, but by a number of people who sang it as they entered in to the temple of the Lord. It was sort of sung antiphonally. One person saying a verse, 
another person saying another verse. They were anticipating seeing the work of the Lord in the temple, coming into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, receiving his gifts for them. They weren't going just to, uh, through the motions, anxious to see neighbors that they hadn't seen in a long time or, or family members that lived far away who happened to be there on a Sunday or anything like that. They were going for what was at the temple, what was going on. And they didn't go to, to, to finish their temple sacrifices as they were smelling fresh coffee brewing with donuts and cookies in the fellowship hall of the courts outside the temple afterwards. Not merely attractive. Something deeper goes on in their worship and their joy to go into the temple. There's more here than what meets the eye. Something unseen but something anticipated. Why were the Israelites so glad to go to the house of the Lord? Because this is where the Lord God chose to make his dwelling in the midst of his people. First, in the history of Israel, there was the tabernacle and then the temple. And the Lord located his presence in a place where he could be found and he could be called upon. This is intimate relationship. God's throne on earth was in the temple, the Holy of Holies. The Lord God made a covenant with Abraham, a relationship of promise and blessing. The Lord remembered this covenant when Israel fell into slavery in Egypt. He delivered his people, brought them through the Red Sea to fulfill this covenant, to show his faithfulness. The Lord brought them then to Sinai where he promised to be their God and they his people. He brought them to the promised land despite their rebellion, despite their grumbling for 40 years in the desert. The Lord showed himself to be a gracious God, a merciful God, and abounding in steadfast love. So this was the God who made his dwelling in the temple on Mount Zion. And that was where the Israelites went to meet him. They were allowed to meet him in his temple. That's where the Israelites went. At the temple, God provided Israel with sacrifices to atone for their sins. At the temple, the Lord would hear the prayers of the priests and the people, the prayers on behalf of others. At the temple, songs of praise would be sung, music would be made, even dancing in the temple of the Lord, lifting the spirits of the people before the Lord their God. At the temple, the word of the Lord read from the Old Testament would be heard recounting his mighty acts and his steadfast love. No wonder the psalmist would declare, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There is no place on earth any wood should ever want to be than in God's house. That's here in God's temple. Here at Grace. What meets our eye in worship are candles, perhaps, or the hymns, or the word of God, baptism, the Lord's Supper. We may enjoy listening and singing and confessing, for some worship is about what they do. For some, worship is about what they receive, joy and relief and peace. But there's more here than what you think. As in the temple in Jerusalem, you are sitting right now where Jesus Christ has chosen to be present for you, for all believers today. Not in a fishing boat, 
not in a bed resting, not in nature camping and listening to the sermon later. Here is where you find God in his mercy. He fills this temple because he has chosen to with his word and his sacraments. The fulfillment of all the tabernacle and all the temple of Israel was pointing to this place and other congregations as well. In John chapter 1, we read, And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. God is dwelling among us. He has chosen to be tabernacling, that tent of glory, literally. Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. He makes God known to us. In Christ, we know a gracious God. John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that went on in the Old Testament sacrifices in the temple. Instead of countless blood sacrifices being made on this day, Jesus offered himself as the one perfect sacrifice for all. When on the cross Jesus declared it is finished, he meant all was complete. No more sacrifices, no need for that, and the curtain in the temple torn from top to bottom in that moment, bringing the temple's time to an end. Jesus also said, as you remember, destroy this temple, referring to his own body, and in three days I will raise it up again. And so Jesus rose from the dead, showing that now the victory remains with life, Jesus' resurrection life, which he bestows on all who trust in him. So what the Israelites worshipped and the joy that it brought him them and received in hope and joy, we receive today in the fulfillment of these long-awaited promises. Today, all that Jesus did, the sacrifice for sins, our prayers lifted in thankfulness and praise, the forgiveness of sins, the record of God's presence and mighty works spoken through his word of scripture are given us in this temple. This is the house of the Lord where Jesus Christ is present, giving out his gifts, body and blood, making us children of his kingdom in baptism. The Lord is present, speaking to you in his word. He who hears you, hears me, he says to his prophets and preachers. This is where Christ himself gives you the bread of life as we sing and praise. This alone should make us glad to go to the house of the Lord. But God doesn't stop there. All these gifts are wrapped in something even more glorious, more than what meets our eyes. Hebrews chapter 12 says what happens what in worship when we come to the Lord's temple. You have come to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriad of angels, to the assembly and congregation of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than Abel does. 
in our weekly assemblies, we enter the new Jerusalem. And as we worship, present and worshiping with us are myriads of angels. All of those family and friends who have gone before us and are now around the throne of God, who have held fast to his word. All the saints throughout history worshiping with us, the apostles, the patriarchs of the church, the martyrs who gave up their life faithful unto death. All believers past and present have been made perfect and clean by Christ are worshiping with us today. They worship with us in this sanctuary unseen as we gather around the throat of God singing, they with us, this is the feast of victory for our God. As we celebrate the communion of saints, we come together as one, transcendent of time, transcendent of place. That's why we call this God's sanctuary, his holy place, God with us. This worship, this temple, is what we confess in our communion song, saying that it is a foretaste of things to come. What we experience here is an in-between world, the threshold of a doorway into our future home, a mystical, shadowy, holy foretaste of something yet unknown, but something yet unseen, which Paul describes as looking in a mirror dimly, waiting to see our Lord face to face in 1 Corinthians. I don't know about you, but this is where I want to be on any given Sunday morning. I know why Psalm 122 and others like it express profound joy. Now I know why I will not be hitting the snooze bar on my alarm. God and worship together with all believers is my priority. I prefer to be nowhere else than in the temple in the presence of my God with my brothers and sisters in Christ and all believers who have gone before us. To the communion of saints, past and present, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I hope you are too. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.